We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. Once again, it is another edition of the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast and Best Bets live stream. My name is Rob Doster. That gentleman you see over there, the one and only Jeffrey Goodman. Jeff, what's going on, man? We had a wild, wild Tuesday night in college basketball. No, no, it was it was insane. I mean, absolutely insane. Um, cool night, though. I mean, again, interesting night. Um, obviously, Baylor starting it off with like a late matinee action in which uh, they pulled out a huge win and won the Big 12 regular season title for the first time since like, uh, I don't know, it seemed uh, I can't believe they won. Every one time. years. 1950 was the last time they won. 1950. Yeah. Jeff, you were only eight years old in 1950. Southwest Conference. Southwest Conference. Uh, yeah, kudos to, to the Baylor team. Kudos to Scott Drew, uh, Jerome Tang, the rest of that staff, because what they have done there is is nothing short of, of miraculous. Uh, as Seth Davis said, uh, arguably the best rebuilding job in, in all of sports. I'm not sure I, I'd put it that high, but it's – it's. I, it's I, in quibble, I quibble with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, no, but here's why. I, I don't think that it's a rebuilding job. You have to have something there to rebuild. What True. was the they haven't won a conference title in 71 years? What is he rebuilding? He is building. No, he, he's they just did one heck of a job. And again, mm-hmm. um, we won't we won't go through too much of that. We'll 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 circle back, but I think the biggest thing there, that we there's need lots to start- we have to get to, but the, yeah. the big thing is we, we got to talk about what happened with Greg McDermott right off the top. Um, yesterday, uh, around five o'clock, he released a statement um, addressing something that you know both of us had heard about and had been kind of floating around um, college basketball circles for a couple of days. It was after the loss to Xavier on, I believe it was Saturday, um, in the locker room. What he said, he this is what he said in his statement. Um, while he was trying to make a point in the postgame locker room, he said, quote, guys, we got to stick together. We need both feet in. I need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. Uh, he continued in that statement. I immediately recognized my egregious mistake and quickly addressed my use of such insensitive words with the team. I've never used that analogy, and it is not indicative of who I am as a person or as a coach. I am deeply sorry. Um, he also uh met with the team he's met with administrators he met with his uh, athletic director and the president of the university um i was told that he offered to resign his position and that the team made the decision uh as a group that they did not want him to leave um but it's 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 very very bad like the the pat chambers at penn state 
lost his job for saying something very similar to this, that that was right along these lines. It was just as racially insensitive. And I'll be honest, I'm pretty surprised that McDermott is going to be coaching tonight against Villanova. Yeah, listen, I'm a little surprised he wasn't suspended for this game as well. Um, You know, there was a a statement that came out from assistant coach Terrence Rancher uh, after that, uh, who's a part of the coaches uh, for action um, that that was uh, that was put together. Uh, this past summer, and and part of it I'll read is is he said, uh, let me address what Coach McDermott said. I'm deeply hurt by his words. While my relationship with Coach has been positive, I've never witnessed any racist energy from him. What he said was wrong and insensitive. Uh, Plantation had a dark and hurtful history in our community and cannot be overlooked. Listen, he's right. He's right. And and I've talked to numerous people in the last 12 hours uh, that are close to Greg McDermott, and and I've known Greg for a long time, a long time, probably almost 20 years. And uh, obviously, listen, he was completely uh, in a dark place over these last few years and and regrets saying these words, but ultimately he said them. He said them, and uh, you have to be accountable for that, right? You have to be accountable for that. Um, the word plantation should not be used in that context or any context right now. Um, I don't, I've never witnessed, that's all I can say. I've never witnessed any racism being around Greg McDermott. And and you know how close I am with, with Doug McDermott. Like, honestly, one of the best kids I've ever been around, um, in all my years of doing this, and I've been around that family. And again, I have never seen anything. That's all I can attest to, right? I mean, the, the key here is what, how are the players reacting to this? And again, I spoke to somebody very close to the players, and they say that they're behind them. Now, are they concerned? Are they still, do they trust him completely right now? There's a few of them that don't. There's a few of them that don't. But ultimately, uh, they were behind him enough to say, we do not want him fired. We do not want him fired after this. And coach, we don't want you to resign is basically what they came out with. So he screwed up royally here and uh, and he's going to have to pay the price. I, I don't know if he keeps his job long term. You know, we'll see what happens here. Obviously, he's got a great AD in Bruce Rasmussen. Um, so I think they'll figure out the right thing to do here. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked that there wasn't some suspension that came with this. Uh, but obviously the players – went to bat for him uh, after all this. Yeah, the decision for this should lie solely on the people in that locker room and on that team that were directly affected yeah. uh, by him. And, and you know, the, the biggest problem with with what he said is just the, the, the power dynamics in college basketball that there's – we talk about this all the time. Part of the reason why we push for – things like NIL rights, part of the reason why both of us has been very vocal about making sure that we get guys like Isaac Brown and Terrence Johnson, the opportunities that they have deserved um, is because there's situations where you have coaches that are white making millions and millions of dollars with this much control and influence over players who are generally black that are doing this for free. And um, when you think about it in that context and you use the term plantation and say, we need everybody in on the plantation, it's just, you cannot do that. That cannot be acceptable. And uh, maybe he misspoke. Maybe it was something where 
Uh, it just the, the wrong term came out while he was in a dream, whatever, whatever excuse you want to make, whatever way that you want to justify it. There's there, there is no justification for it. It should not be acceptable. Um, and the one thing that I do like about the situation is that if, if everything that is being said is to be believe, uh, be believed, and it was the players that decided they wanted to keep him around. I, I think that is where the decision needs to lie because they are the ones that are under his influence. They are the ones that he has, uh, I don't want to say control over, but he's he's their coach, right? He's he's more or less their boss. Um, and if they are saying we don't believe that, that we believe this was him misspeaking, and we don't believe this is a sign of his character, then those are the ones that you want to listen to. And I'm hoping hoping that the decision really w- did lie in their hands, and it really was they were the ones that that made the decision that he's not uh, resigning or leaving his post. I, I think them seeing him literally in tears, I, I think showed how remorseful he was about his words. And again, he didn't, he didn't say, you know, he was taken out of context. He didn't say like, he just, he owned it. He owned it to him. And uh, listen, let's hope um, they can figure things out there. Again, everything I've seen of the man of Greg McDermott, um, I I respect, uh, but he screwed up, he screwed up and, and, and there probably should be some sort of punishment that goes along with it. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Um, we talked on the stream last night about Baylor and about Michigan yeah. um, and, and kind of our takes on that. So we can we can summarize that pretty quickly and, and then kind of sure. move on. My biggest thing with with this, uh, with the Michigan loss was I thought that was a little bit of a blip on the radar for the radar for them. Um, I was more impressed with the fact that Illinois was able to go into Ann Arbor and beat the brakes off of Michigan the way that they yeah. did without Iodazuma. Yeah. Oh, no. Listen, it it was shocking. It was just one of those results you never saw coming. Nobody would have because Io is as important to Illinois, or we thought as important to Illinois as any player was to any team in the entire country. But uh, at least for one night, that wasn't the case because Trent Frazier was terrific. Corbello was terrific. Kofi was really good. And Michigan sucked. And it was a combination of Illinois playing harder Michigan not playing the way Michigan has played for most of the season. So I, I think the stars were aligned a little bit. I still think if you played 10, 10 games between those those teams, they probably split. Yeah. I, I I was very impressed with the defensive game plan that that Brad Underwood rolled out. And we talked about this last night stream, but um his the, the decision that he made to to kind of overplay again, you know, that's really what his style has been. They haven't done that as much this season. Um, they've been a little bit more of a team that's kind of packed it in just to to kind of protect Kofi Colbert. You know, he's not a guy that you want running around on the perimeter. Um, so I thought the decision to overplay passing lanes and keep the ball on one side of the floor and take Michigan out of what they wanted to do offensively might have given a little bit of a playbook to, to some other teams in the country. You know, at the end of the day, um, when you do that and when you when you overplay like that, when you isolate players, that's kind of what teams like Florida State do and, and Baylor does to a sense. And it forces yeah. you to try to beat them one on one. You have to have one on one playmakers to be able to beat people. And right now, Michigan does not have a ton of those. You know, you don't want Mike Smith trying to go one on one against Big Ten defenders. That that's not that's not their game. Right, you don't want Eli Brooks trying to to go one on one against people. You don't want to have to rely on Franz Wagner to be your primary source of of shot creation. Yep. Uh, so, to me, I I think that was a a, a very well 
devised game plan from Brad Underwood. I thought it was incredibly executed by the the Illinois players, and it just looked like it was one of those things where Michigan was like, holy shit, what are they doing? I've never seen this before. I have no idea how to play basketball anymore. Yeah, listen, I mean, again, Underwood, you got to give him credit. Um, you got to give his players credit for for – you know, coming to play in that one. But I think it's it's almost easier then, right? I mean, everybody's telling you, you have no shot to win. Um, a guy like Curbelo, like Stu Douglas said last night uh, on our pod, like, it's his show. He knew it last night. Like, okay, it's my it's my time. And Curbelo, you can tell, like, he wants that so bad. And that's something that he – next year I can't, wa- I can't wait to watch Curbelo playing 35 minutes a game. He will be – I mean, he is electric. He's fun to watch. Um, and again, listen, he's one of my like three favorite players in college basketball just to watch because you never know what's going to happen. You might see one of the greatest passes that you've ever seen. You might also see one of the dumbest turnovers that you've ever seen. And players like that to me are just absolutely electric because it's it's like the guy, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you put in the hall of fame a month ago, Sharif Cooper. Well, no, you know what you're going to get from Sharif Cooper. He's going to he's, he's throw ridiculous passes. Sometimes they're going to go to the players he's meant to throw them to. Sometimes they're going to go to the other team. But no matter what, it's always going to look good, at the very least. Um, all right, so let's talk about Baylor and West Virginia a little bit. I, I, look, the, I was so, so impressed with, with that win for the Bears going mental, into Morgantown. Mental toughness, right? Mental toughness. Mental toughness. Uh, the, the fact that they were able to – um, win that game when they clearly did not have their legs. The right. battle, like all all those cliches that people love to throw out there yeah. about teams, like all of they they had all of that. They're they're just so good, and um, I'm glad. I really wanted West Virginia to win just because, I, like I'm, I'm I'm into that team now. I, I love watching them play. Every game that they play is exciting because they space the floor, they run, they gun, they chuck up threes, and they don't play any defense. So, uh, like, I, I want to. So I thought Sean McNeil put the game away. I was like, there's no way Baylor's coming back from this because, again, West Virginia took the lead, and you're like, Baylor really isn't going to have their legs. They're yeah. not. They're not going to have their legs. They kind of fought through that game and hung around, and you just didn't expect Baylor to be the one with more in the tank, and I don't think it was more in the tank physically. I honestly think it was like mentally that's where they won the game. Yeah, and and here's the thing that's most impressive to me. Um we were just on our group chat with with Gary Parrish and Barzello and Norlander. We were just talking about how, like, who who are our All Americans, who are like our top ten for National Player of the Year, and all of us had Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler in that list somewhere for like All Americans and top top yeah. ten players of the year, right? right? And if you go back and you look at who had the best performances for them, like during the stretch as they're coming out of quarantine, it was Adam Flagler at Iowa State that saved their ass. Yep, and last night. I know Jared Butler and, and Davion combined for like 45 and 11 assists. They were awesome. Uh, but it was Matthew Meyer that came up down the stretch. He had 18 yeah. points. He had four steals. Uh, he had that one, like that one breakaway. Um, he hit, I think it was he hit two threes and he had a runner in like the final three minutes that kind of brought Baylor back from that hole. So uh, the fact that they have all of these guys that are coming off of their bench that can step up and make these huge plays on a team that has like three dudes that are going to play in the NBA – it's really impressive. That that was a really, really impressive win. It is. Listen, Baylor, Baylor just they needed it for, for and Jerry Butler said this afterwards. Uh he said basically, you know, we needed this not just for the Big 12 tourney, but like for our psyche, 
for our psyche, we needed to win this game. We hadn't lost the game in like a year, and uh, and it hurt. It was tough to deal with, and I think they knew. Like if they lost that one last night, you know, how would that affect them uh, mentally in questioning themselves now? And again, like I told you, I think yesterday, the goal for this team after letting it slip away a year ago, the Big 12 regular season title, that was like the main goal for everybody other than Mike Mark Vidal. Like everybody else in the team was like, we got to win the Big 12 regular season title. We screwed it up a year ago. We got to get this thing this year. And mm-hmm. uh, and they did. So uh, congrats to them. Um, and uh, all right, next Next thing that we have to talk about from last night, do we have to go into Duke uh, again a little bit? I think. Let's just kind of go on to so so Duke lost to Georgia Tech. Yeah. Michigan State beat Indiana. That was those were kind of like the bubble the bubbleicious yeah. teams, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Both of those teams are kind of right on the cut line. Uh, for my money, I think that uh, Michigan State is more or less in. Um, they they have to win like at least one more game, whether that is beating Michigan in one of these two games or winning a game or two in the Big Ten tournament if they get swept by Michigan. But like, is I, I think that they are in a very very good place right now, considering where they were before. I think Indiana yeah. out um, Duke. They had I thought they had to win two of the three down the stretch of the season: Louisville, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina. Now I think they got to beat North Carolina and win at least two games in the ACC. Well, they're going to beat Virginia. They're probably going to get maybe. I- thought last I looked was like a, maybe a Virginia. Uh, now it may be even – shoot, I don't even know what it is now. With them losing, I think they're like in the mix to play like a Virginia in the second round. But but I think they might have to play like an NC State or something in the first round. So, yeah, you got you yeah. to win that game. You got to right. beat – you got to win a, a couple – you got to make a run in the ACC tournament. Do you want them in or no? Do, do you want Duke to get yes. in the NCAA tournament? Very much so. I, I want to see him in the first four. Do you know how – you you've been beating this drum for a while. Like, I want Duke, Michigan State in the first four. Right. That would be awesome. I don't care if they that play the be- Champions Classic. Like, screw it. We don't care. Just put them both in if they're close and play them against each other. And honestly, your ratings for that game will be tremendous. Well, I mean – I think that's one of the things that we kind of run into with the NCAA tournament is they try to like avoid these made for TV matchups and like, Oh, we got to have some kind of justification for all this, blah, 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 blah. But like they don't, it's, it's, it's an entertainment event. Like right. give, give us what we want to see. Yes. Give us Purdue or give us, or, give us Michigan State or, Rob, or Rob do this. Give us Duke and Michigan state each against like a really good mid major. That, 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 I've said that throughout. I've said the first four should be high major against mid major in those two I mean, matches. I, I, dis- I disagree with you on that. I think in that the first one, four, I agree. Like, if you're going to put Duke versus Michigan State, I'd rather see that. What I'm saying is, if you're I, not, we, you know, do you want to see? I mean, give me another, give me another uh, high major that might make it right well, no, now. Here's here's the, look, Georgia Tech and Indiana. Like those two are are kind of in that range. North Carolina's in that range. Um, I mean, UConn is honestly probably in that range. Seton Hall's in that range. What I've always wanted for the first four is to have it be the last eight um, at-large teams. And instead of having the committee make the decision where it's like, okay, here's our cutoff, here's who's getting in, let them play for it. You can, if, you're, if you're not one of the 68 best teams and best profiles, like you're not getting snubbed. Right. So, uh, But the, the only problem with that is that winning a first four game counts as a win share in the NCAA tournament, which is very, very, very good for some of these low major leagues in terms of money coming into their athletic departments. So I don't like, I think those low major teams don't want to change that. 
And if they're not voting to change it, then you're damn sure not going to get the votes from uh, from the high majors to change it. They can just get into the tournament instead of having to play in the first four. So um, it kind of is what it is. Are you in on Georgia Tech being in the tournament? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the face shield deserves to be in there because, again, it's crazy what he did that nobody else did prior to the start of the season. I mean, they, they lost games to what? It was Mercer and, like, Georgia State because they weren't practicing contact because Josh Pastner was more worried about uh, his kids than anything else, and he overreacted. Uh, we've seen that now, but ultimately he was looking out for his kids, didn't go contact in, in practice leading up to the season, and they lost two games that, honestly, I'm not going to say should be thrown away, but shouldn't be counted nearly as much. I'm going to go by the Doster theory there of, of no, late November. No, games. Well, I mean, it's the, here's the thing. I, I think that they should count for um, for NCAA tournament standing, but you should yeah. the the committee I think should should make sure that they understand the context around those games. Same way that you got to understand the context of like UConn losing when they don't have James Booknight or uh, Oregon getting beaten when they're coming out of their COVID pause. Like you have yeah. to, it, it's it's going to be very difficult. I don't envy the decisions that the committee has to make this year at all, but I think it's very important to understand the context around a lot of these things that happened this season. Some of them, a lot of them out of the control of the players themselves. Uh, last thing that I do want to note, um, actually two things. One, uh, Xavier and Boise State losing. I think Boise State's off the bubble at this point. Yeah, I do too. They're, um, and, They're out of the average. Yeah, Xavier, uh, Boise State lost at home to Fresno State, which is – that's bad. That's real bad. And then Xavier lost to um, – help me out. Who did they lose to? Georgetown at Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah, at Georgetown. So um, I still think Xavier's in the picture. Their profile's a little bit better than people realize. Yep. But that's that's not that's not a loss that you want to be taking if you are uh, – if, if you are I love – listen, I just love this next week or two because, you know, again – to me, this is where, you know, like you said, Boise, you have one bad loss. Somebody else kind of comes up from, you know, from from further back, whether it's, you know, you look at some of these teams, can you know, Richmond, you know, I don't know who they're going to beat that would get them up there. But, you know, so like Indiana, if Indiana goes in a run here, by the way, Rob, if they go in a run and, and play in the Big Ten tournament championship game, could they could they make up ground and be back in? Absolutely. Yeah, but they're they're not going to do that. <laughs> Agree. I'm just saying well, there may be some crazy shit this year. There may be some crazy shit with 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 some of the conference. I'm not saying Indiana's going to do that, but somebody Indiana's not going to do that. Um, I think they're even going to beat Purdue. Who like I do want to at least mention Purdue after yeah. starting out the regular season or the the Big Ten season seven and five have has now won. What are they at thirteen and? Six? Yeah, they got talent, man. Like they're young talent. Purdue's going to be good. Yeah, they're going to be really good next year. They're, I think they're going to be like one of the teams where I'm just kind of like, all right, yeah, pencil them in. They're going to be top three. Right, you go painter plus talent, and it's like, all right, like I'm in, I'm in. Like that's what we used to say. Like every year, good. I've I've made this point over and over and over again. Um, but he's so good at adjusting what he does to the talent he has on his roster. And uh, so when he had Isaac Haas uh, and, and in 2016 and 2017, um, those teams set records, records that have never even come close to being touched uh, for the number of possessions that ended with post-ups. Records. Like they have the highest post-up rate in, chem- in, uh, in the Synergy database, which dates back to like 2010. The highest one. Yeah. And in 2019, 
when they went to the elite, like those teams won Big Ten titles. In 2019, when they went to the Elite Eight with Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein, they set records for the most three-pointers attempted in Big Ten, in the Big Ten yeah. play. He, he's so great at adjusting what he does to the personnel that he has. And, I mean, look, Zach Eady is only going to get better. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Ivey's only going to get better. The the Hunter kid, the, the point guard that they have, is really, really good, a really tough defender. And I'm pretty sure, like, everyone – does everyone come back? I think they lose – is Stefanovic a senior? Uh well, everybody can come back. I mean, that's one thing. Like, even if he's a senior, he can come back. Yeah. So I think so. they're, they're going to be really, really good next year. And, and here's the difference, right? So we talked about how Wisconsin brought everybody back. No, from, not a senior in the no seniors on the roster. Not, yeah, one. So they, not one. They can probably bring everyone back because I don't think anyone on there is necessarily going to be um, no, a, a no. guy that's leaving for the NBA. So like, they're bringing everybody back, right? My and God. Yeah. and. So many of these guys are like, uh, let's go through it. Jaden Ivey's been awesome. He's a freshman. Zach yep. Eady's been awesome. He's a freshman. Brandon Newman, yep. starting Honor. games. He's a freshman. Mason Gillis, starting games. He's a freshman. Right? Yeah. E- yeah. Ethan no, Morton, is, I think Ethan Morton's going to be a kid that ends up being really good. And that just no, really if he can keep it together. Yeah, if he can keep this group together, man, like, like you could be talking about, uh, yeah, Final Four team. Yeah, it's it's nice that he, you know, after all those years of having to deal with guys like Robbie Hummel and Rayfield Davis, it's nice that yeah. he finally has a, has a team with some talent on it, some guys that can win. Some Coach guys that can win on it. Coachable. <laughs> yeah, Robbie, uh, Hummel. Right, Robbie Hummel is not coachable. All right, let's see. Yeah, we got to talk about it. It starts off. Do you know that we had games in oh, I know. one hour I, and 25 minutes? Yeah, I already got my, I already got my pick in. I'm, I'm going to put it – actually, I'm going to put it in Ben Spurts right now. Is it Joe? Yeah, going. Listen, do you really think I'm going against my boy Ryan Daly? Do you, I, do you think you I'm doing it? The whole reason we call you Good Man Bad Info is because you went against Ryan Daly and you lied to us and said that he that wasn't was playing. Awful. That was and still like it came straight from Ryan Daly. Like that was like that was like, as bad as that, that. That was worse than that dude from uh, that that broke the news about Io DeSumo. That was awful. Who was that? What, what was his name? I don't remember. It was like the weirdest name. I don't even know what he was. It's probably not his name, obviously. But, uh, yeah, that was bad info. Bad, bad info. Good man, uh, bad info. Yeah, I'm going St. Joe's right off the bat. They're giving two uh, to LaSalle. And uh, it's a 11 a.m. start in the A-10 first round. And, um, yeah, I got to find out where it's on TV because I got to watch my boy Ryan Daly at, at 11 a.m. Um, all right, the – the best game of the night. Can we start with, with Creighton Villanova? Since yep. we started there to open this and everything that's going on, uh, swirling around that program right now. And I just don't know how with this distraction, this is going to pull a team together tonight against the Villanova team. Um, it hasn't been great lately, but it's still Villanova with that culture. What, what Villanova we know is, is unified and strong and Creighton right now is, is fractured. And the one thing I was kind of hoping to see for Greg McDermott's sake or, or for, for Creighton's sake was the players publicly support him. And they didn't do that last night. They didn't do that to my knowledge. And I I still think they are fractured a little bit. Uh, I think some players are completely behind him and other players still aren't sure. And Villanova's given four and a half here, eight 30 game on FS one. And I'm going to take the Wildcats here. I'm going to take the Wildcats. And and uh, 
I just don't know if Creighton's going to be able to rally and beat a Villanova team that also is kind of a little bit like trying to find its way right now, right? I mean, we, we've kind of not given up. Enders, where you and I were like, maybe, maybe, you know, again, I just feel like for them, it's all about the culture and, and, and like power of numbers playing together because they're not that talented. They're just not that talented right now, Rob. I mean, like they got good talent, but they don't have like talent like they've had over the last five, six years. Yeah, they don't have the the same like they, 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 when they won in 2016, they had four pros. When they won in 2018, they had five pros. This year, they have what? One pro. And is it, it I think it might be senior night for yeah, Joe just said it's senior night for uh no, for it all lines up. That'll matter. Like I just yeah, I, I think four and a half is not enough. Um there are a couple other games that I do like. Uh, you obviously know that I'm going with UConn in this spot, laying a, laying a point and a half. I, I just you know, after seeing after seeing what they've done the last two games, um, I'm just expecting uh, them to kind of jump all over a, a Seton Hall team that I just I, I can't I don't see it. I want I want to buy into Seton Hall. I, I just I haven't been able to do it all season long. Um, love Sandro. Uh, not a great matchup for Sandro against UConn's got like 17 different bigs. Some of them can move their feet. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's tough. We'll see. We'll see how that ends up playing out, but I just, um, I'm trying to stay on the, the, the buy low on UConn bandwagon for a while. And we'll see how long that works out. And if that ends up, uh, burning me, um, it is what it is. Uh, I also like, what do I have here? Uh, Colorado state laying 17 and a half, um, on bet rivers right now. Uh, what I love about them is that New Mexico does, they just fired their coach. Like they've, New Mexico's had it as bad as anyone this season. They had to leave their state to practice. Um, I can't imagine those kids actually want to play right now. Like if you're, if they'll you're be just, better coached, but they'll be better coached by Scott Padgett and Dan McHale. That's the only, that's my argument yeah. to you. Yeah. They might be better coached, but like, do they care? You've been through all of this. Think about everything that they've been through. They're not playing for anything. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So, no, like, right. where's the motivation? Yeah. You know, um, yep. I like it's this. I feel so uncomfortable about tonight because I like favorites up and down the board. Okay. Um, UCLA, Oregon. I love Oregon in this spot. Yeah, um, I mean, I just it's so hard because I want to I want to go with Oregon every game, and they've let they've let me down, and they let you down a little bit this year in spots where we were surprised uh, that USC won was one I'll never forget. I mean, I'll never forget the start of that game. But I just still have faith. Oregon's the more talented team. Um, they're at home. They need the freaking game desperately. I mean, they need this game. They're not a lock to be in the NCAA tournament. I think they'll be in, but they're not a lock. Um, and with a win over UCLA, they're in to me. To me, like, mm-hmm. this is their, their punch-your-ticket game. So I don't see any way that – I shouldn't say that. I'm going to knock on wood. I don't see any way that, that Oregon doesn't win, and hopefully they cover. Yeah. Um, I also like Maryland laying four at Northwestern. Uh, it's a little bit of a trap spot for them, seeing as yeah. they just, they, they've just they won all these games in a row. Um, they're coming off of a huge win at home against Michigan State. It feels like they're kind of that, – that put them in a spot where everyone's like, yeah, they're in the tournament now as long as they don't do something dumb against Northwestern. So it's, it's very much something where uh, they can kind of get caught here. But uh, 
four for Maryland at Northwestern just seems like a ridiculously low number. Um, yeah. the, the, the mat the matchup there, uh, I just I think both teams want to play small. I want to space the floor. One team has really really good defenders and good athletes. The other team has Miller Cop and Boo Booey. You know, like those guys are fine, but so I, I really like Maryland there. Um, and the last one that I have is Penn State at Minnesota. Yeah. Um, or I'm sorry, Minnesota at Penn State. Penn State's laying four and a half. Again, I I don't love it, uh, but it just feels like Minnesota's in, in a spot where we need to fade them right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we don't know if Liam Robbins is playing. Uh, mm-hmm. Gabe's still out. He's done for probably the season. Uh, I'm kind of with you there with Penn State. What about – do you like Wichita? Only give them four at Tulane in a, in a game they got to have. I mean, if Wichita loses a game, their at-large uh, chances are gone. So are their their chances to win the, the AAC regular season title. To, right now, they're percentage points ahead of, of, I think, Houston. So, like, Tulane is not good. They're not good, Rob. Like, isn't this a line that you look at and you're like, huh? I honestly did not even see that game on the schedule until you mentioned it. Am I wrong? No, you're probably. I mean, you're probably right. Um, I mean, doesn't, doesn't that seem like a, a strange one to you? Ken Palm has it at four. Well, Kenny's not always right, you know. No, I know he's not always right. Um, I mean, Tulane, Tulane. Yeah. In case you're wondering, is nine and eleven and four and eleven in conference play. Oh, I know. I know. Like, um, I, 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 I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just it's another works. one, another another small favorite that we're on, and it just feels like those are the worst. Things and I kind of like Syracuse, by the way, against Clemson at home. I, I I just feel like Syracuse always makes things interesting. Always at the end, they're going to put themselves in the bubble. They're going to get in the first. Like, can we just put them in the first four now? We know they're going to be there, right? And they're, pro- and they're probably going to play their way all the way to the final four. That's just what somehow, they do. Somehow, Buddy Bayheim is just going to like. You want to see somebody who's going to carry their team? It's going to be like Buddy, Buddy Bayheim. Yeah. The Bayheims are going to do it with with Jimmy Bayheim probably coming next year. The only thing I will say about Clemson is they have now won five straight. Yeah, they beat UNC. No, I, they I, beat Syracuse by yep. seventeen. Yep. They beat Georgia Tech. They won at Wake Forest. They beat Miami. And this is a game that I think they kind of need here. So. Um, I don't know. I don't love it. I'm I'm staying away. I don't need away it as much as Syracuse needs it, but they do need it. They do need it. Um yeah. staying away from anything else. The only other one that caught my eye was Florida uh laying four at Bet Rivers at Missouri. At home against yeah. Missouri. At home. Is it at home against Missouri? Yeah, you're at right. Home. It's at home against Missouri. Um Thinking. that that like, how you can like that game. That's such a like who knows game, in my opinion. Yeah, no, like, you don't right. know what, what Missouri team's going to show up, what Florida team's going to show up. Like to me, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the one that I like that we haven't talked about is, is you know who's playing tonight? Who? Evans this year. Of course, you're taking them. Yeah, I mean, listen, they're they're getting three and a half against NC Central. Like I know your boy Lavelle Moten can coach, but like they had it rough this year, and my boy Evans this year. Like he's he's in shape. I don't know if you've seen him. Like he he's ready to go now. He is ready to go. He's been playing all year, getting some key minutes, and uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to take it to NC Central. 
Yeah, so I'm logging in all my picks right now on Bet Spurts. I'm not following you on your boy Evan Desir, uh, but I have everything yeah. else in there right now. Um, this was fun, Jeffrey. We will see everybody again for tomorrow's stream at 9 a.m. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.